Fix the Convince. Welcome to the Fix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, New Spark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hey out there, it's Paul Mosenson, Fix the Convince podcast. Another scintillating conversation like we always have, you listeners. So today we're talking about something maybe a little bit different than usual, but it's uh, interesting nevertheless. Uh, you know what ops is? Like, um, we're trying to figure out like the new titles out there, chief growth officer, ops, revenue ops, marketing ops, sales ops, technology, all these kinds of uh, buzzwords out there and what roles they have in B2B companies and generating revenue. And so we're going to talk about what ops people do, um, what we think they do, but what they should be doing, right? With our guest, uh, Michael Hartman, who is a, an ops person, consultant, what have you. He's, uh, he's had, um, his company is Hartman Advisory Group. He's been uh, 20 years plus experience in a variety of industries. Most recently, he was director of marketing technology demand generation. See the slash there at Freeman, a leading events organization. He's also a strategic marketing revenue ops consulting business. He's a co-host of a newer podcast of marketing operations focused podcast called OpsCast. So, uh, hello, Michael. Hello, Paul. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. Sure. Me too. Me too. So let, let's get started here. For those uh, people out there listening who don't really understand what ops is, I believe it's like a fairly newer term or maybe, you know, reskin from an older scenario. But I know, like I mentioned, revenue ops, sales ops, marketing ops, you know, in your view, what is the definition of ops and the differentiation of, of ops with, um, you know, other kinds of titles and things like that? Yeah. So I think you actually missed one. There's now also customer success ops. So yes, um, customer which will come success in, ops. Yes. Yep. So that which is part of the whole revenue world. So let's why don't we start with revenue operations? It's the the newest one out there, at least in its at least in some places. And we'll talk about that too. But revenue ops, I think most people probably have some idea of, you know, what what marketing ops and sales ops and customer success ops, if that applies to their business, what those cover, right? It's they're really, I think they're all sort of enablers, right? Whether it's through technology process, uh, reporting analytics, things like that across those different functions. Revenue ops is the newer one that sort of combines them all under one leadership, typically re reporting up into uh, a, a chief revenue officer or chief growth officer, sometimes to head of sales or head of marketing. Um, and, in, and in some instances, even up to say a chief operating officer or CEO, depending on the company. Um, and there's trade-offs, pluses and minuses with all those different reporting structures. The, the one caveat that I find is that revenue ops uh, also sometimes is just another name for sales ops. So there, there is, that just adds to the confusion as well. Um, but I think in general, right, I think I've covered the main points with the things that they kind of always have each is, t you know, whatever tech stack, you know, responsibility, right, for the strategy, ongoing support, maintenance, enhancements, things like that. Uh, they're typically also responsible for some component of reporting and analytics, and usually for, you know, building, managing, you know, making sure there's compliance with processes. So whether it's, you know, go to market activity on, on marketing side where you're, you want to go to market so you can capture data, 
in sales, it might be what's the sales, you know, opportunity life cycle and, you know, what are the, the, the hurdles for moving from one stage to another, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, but when you get past that, then there's a lot of variation in every one of those in terms of the full scope, depending on the, the size and stage and, and, um, you know, the sophistication of the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, in the old days we had, well, still CMOs, <laughs> VP of marketing, however you want to define that, but how does an ops person like you fit in? Because again, as a CMO, we like to get involved with technology as well. Do we have the right marketing automation? You know, do we have the right, you know, lead magnets and building content plans and, and all that work with CRM. So I, this, I know there's a hybrid here, but you know, for, in your view, how does an ops fit in with the traditional marketing team? Yeah. So uh, let's, I think we'll, for, for this conversation, let's stick to marketing ops. How about that? Yes. Just, yes. We'll go, go there. And yes. Um, and I, and I think it does vary um, depending on the team, overall marketing team structure and the, in the particular expertise and knowledge of this, you know, the head of marketing CMO uh, and the other parts of the team. Right. So if you've got a, you know, a, a head of marketing who really came up through say an agency side, really focused on brand or content, but less focused, had been less focused on the technology components and, yeah, the real ops, um, the sausage making part of getting stuff out to market, right? Uh, then okay. I think I think you, you know there's there's a different role that needs to be played there um, for that team. It, the other part I would say is that um, you know a lot of a lot of marketing teams now have a demand gen or campaign management. Um, sometimes product marketing does this as well, right? Where they're the ones actually coming up with the campaigns and tactics, and maybe a big part of the execution. One of the things that we as ops people have to kind of work out with those teams in the, in the head of marketing is to what extent does the ops team actually do a lot of the heavy lifting on those campaign operations, which is a component of marketing operations versus providing, you know, the templates and the platform um, and really the foundation and enabling the other parts of the marketing team to do a lot of this stuff on their own, right? So enabling scale through that. Um, but really, I think one of the challenges that we as ops people, and we've done a poor job of, honestly, over time, and I think it's getting better through things like the podcast we're doing and communities and other things like that, is you know, not being seen as just a um, the IT shop of marketing, right? And being looked at as somebody who's just going to execute whatever they're told to do, and, and then sort of shifting that to be a more of a strategic partner with marketing. It, you know, it's one of the few functions within an organization where you really interface with lots of different parts of the company, right? You're dealing with marketing, usually dealing with sales, especially like a sales ops team. You're probably dealing with legal for, you know, compliance on privacy and things like that, contracts. Uh, you're probably doing some amount of budget management. And usually it's a big line item budget that an ops person have if they're managing the, the tech stack component of it and people and if you've got consultants. And so... Um, you know, there's a finance component to it as well, right? So yeah, there's no, there's sort of no one else that's got that unique kind of visibility across all those at that level, kind of below the, the head of marketing to really be able to inform and be an advisor for what could we do? Can we do, you know, what are these crazy ideas we could enable or at least trial, right? Things like that. And I think that's where I'd love to see operations people is that they're really seen and included early on in the strategy and planning uh, 
and, and development of, of campaigns, not just the execution side, when it's almost too late to, to try to change anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be a team approach for sure. Well, speaking of team, that's sidebar question. Let's talk about sales for a minute. You know, and we talked about other roles as well, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, like your sales data, how, you know, your percentage of close win rates, things like that. Um, maybe you do win loss analysis, whatever, but, um, but, you know, you always, you know, I always talk about conversion rates through the funnel. You know, marketing should care about what sales is doing. Sales should care about what marketing is doing, but perhaps the ops person kind of combines it all together and says, well, here are the campaigns that are generating a higher win rate than other campaigns. I and mean, there's a lot of attribution and tracking with CRMs and touch points and things like that, which is a lot of you know, work and data to put together and, and then decide which industries are more skewed toward one versus the other. Am I getting in the weeds or is this the kind of thing we love to like play with and figure out trends and, and this whole big picture of where should we put more of our focus and where do we pivot our campaigns? Well, I think that's actually a really good point and a good question. And, and, and I think it's actually that question about if you think about the full life cycle of the buyer journey, right? Think of it from a customer standpoint. You know, there's lots of opportunities for there to be, you know, friction or sand in the gears of getting them through all the way to being a paying customer. And historically, right, marketing and marketing ops would have been reporting on everything up to and typically including lead handoff. And maybe some amount of attribution, but it's really, you know, it's that from, from handoff to did it close or not, right? And there's not like the details of that was really like that sales ops business. So what what would what, what honestly happen is then you got two teams uh, reporting the same data or different data usually or different definitions and things like that. And I think it's part of why you've seen this move in a lot of places to be have a revenue ops function that looks across is to get some consistency all the way through the funnel on what those metrics are. And um, one of the things uh, you brought up attribution, uh, you know, I, I have sort of a love hate relationship with attribution and I think the intent of it was, yeah, the intent of it was great, right. To, to try to bring a little more of a tangible revenue component uh, in terms of marketing's impact to the business. I think where it has broken down is that it's been, um, misused in some ways. And it's also just, it, frankly, it's just complicated math, right? That's at the end of the day, it's complicated. So trying to explain it to people who aren't familiar with all the details about how that got built and where things can break down uh, along the way, you know, there's a lack of trust at the this, at this senior level, right? On, and what does that actually mean? And what they really care about, if you're a CEO, COO, CFO, right? What you really care about is, is our revenue number going up? And do we have pipeline to continue to grow like that? And this is where I think the mistake has not been addressed is that you brought up all these sort of different places where there's conversions. I like to think of micro conversions. And for me, my recommendation would be rather that, you know, attribution is good and it's useful, I think, to a, to a point, typically lower down in sort of the hierarchy of reporting, uh, maybe up to the campaign level or even to the, you know, the marketing team, right? We want to have a, a view of that so we know if we're placing the right bets. But when you get to the next level of the, the C-suite, the board, whatever, then really what you should be doing is tying yourself to actual revenue and pipeline with the sales team. 
And then where you can, and then focusing on the other end on all those little places along the way where you can try to drive improvement, it's in what I would call micro conversions, right? Because yeah. those can have yeah. a multiplier effect if you can start to make all those different steps, whatever your business is, you know, there's lots of different ways that those might, what those might look like. Yeah. Well, that's our role, right? In marketing or is, I call it buyer's journey op optimization. You know, it's like the little things mean a lot. You know, the C-level doesn't care about what you're doing as long as you see growth. Right. And, and it's our job to say, well, we consider attribution, not getting the weeds here, folks, but um, we talked about it before about, listen, how did our white paper do? Someone might ask, right? Well, you know, that doesn't typically show up on a, a CRM. It says, oh, they came back through email or something else because it's how they got in the funnel in the first place. Well, I, I think something very specific like that, right? How did a piece of content work? And I put that in air quotes. Right, for those air, quotes. Yes, air quotes. That, that's kind of, it doesn't really, that's kind of question that doesn't really make sense in some ways, right? I mean, I think I understand, like we put a lot of effort in building this piece of content right? Number of reviews, we may have hired an outside person to write it or to help us with it. It's, we want to know, like, are we getting some benefit out of it? What I, where I, this is where I get to this, like really looking at the details of what's going on. So looking at, you know, when we won or when we lost deals, right? Was that piece of content consistently a part of that buyer journey or right. not? Right. So that's hard to get at an aggregate level, right? That really takes, like <laughs> I describe it sometimes as like forensic science, right? You have to really dig in and look for the evidence at that level. And this is like, so this is why I think, again, why the story part of the analytics and reporting is really important, right? You want to look at that journey and you want to look at the details and that's, um, it's an effort thing, right? So that's not something that you can always look at and have technology solve that for you. You kind of have to have people digging into it, which means you need to have investment in not just technology, but also people to do that. Yep, for sure. Yes, it's always good questions here. Hope I didn't lose anybody yet. Oh, here we go. Uh, but generally speaking, as an ops person, um, we've alluded to it a little bit, but how does this role contribute to the overall growth of a company and um, and maybe more about the tasks that you do to help a company grow? Yeah. So this is, this is again, one of the big challenges for ops folks. It kind of, it's a, it's a little bit of an outgrowth of this, you know, view of ops as sort of uh, order takers versus strategic partners. Um, because at the end of the day, what we're, we're doing is we're enabling the other parts of marketing, the other parts of sales, the other like to to be able to be more effective, uh, and to be able to, to scale, and and optimize the use of our resources, and so, but the, at the end of the day, we're not the ones closing deals. We're not the ones typically building content. We're not the ones building out campaigns. Right? So, there's this sort of arm's length relationship to the action, like those things, right? So it's got to be an enabler. So how do we measure ops as a, as a challenge? Um, so I think it's up to us to, to work on that and, and make sure that we're articulating, right? This investment that we're putting into people and technology, you know, and, and when we're building the case, say for a new piece of technology, I, I'm a big advocate for everybody, well, everybody in general, but everybody in ops particular, getting the basics of finance, because I think when you can start to speak about, we're going to spend, you know, 
200 grand on a piece of software, which we anticipate is going to improve our efficiency or our close rate or whatever, which ultimately is going to lead to X amount of revenue incrementally, you know, and be able to talk about that as an ROI model that's actually based on sort of a somewhat on a finance thing, right? There's got to be assumptions and everything else, but the more we can do that and show that we're thinking strategically about how we're, you know, we're, we're being good stewards of that money and resources, the better we are. But, you know, that's something that is, you know, it, it takes time and effort and experience to do a little bit. Um, and it requires people who are leaders in the space to encourage their and help grow their teams to do that so that we, that becomes more of a common thing. The other thing I would say is we need to be the, the ones who are advising the team about, you know, if they want to go after some, do some campaign, maybe it's a new tactic, new channel, we need to be helping them think through how do you make that happen and maybe think about, I, don't, I hate to use the word scaling it back a little bit, right? If it's really ambitious and big change, but how can we do it in a way that allows us to move quickly? I'm a big believer that moving quickly is a strategic advantage, right? Which typically means you need to keep your solution as simple as possible, right? So that may include like, how can we trial something using the existing technology before we go out and buy a new piece of technology? Right. So things like that. I think that's another one where we can kind of help think through like here are options on how you can get towards where you want to achieve and move quickly rather than a really elaborate solution or answer that may, we may never get to. Yeah. Well, you actually, uh, when you talk about technology, you bring up the next question because, you know, MarTech, you know, everybody has it hopefully some better than others and we do want to evaluate it and make sure it's working in fact i just had a discussion with a client about their own you know cadence program you know and, and like say well i'm not sure if the if you have the right triggers going on like it might be it's a little detailed here about you know what you need what you want and what makes work more efficient now, don't get me started with AI, you know, because that's a whole nother. Let's try an AI tool, right? And send emails automatically. If somebody now, we're going to use machine AI. learning instead of AI. That's right, because we're talking tech here, right? I don't even but, know what the difference is. I know. Uh, well, you know, with, with cookies going away next year, that <laughs> might even be big anymore. But um, whose machine are we learning here? But um, the point, though, is there's always evaluation of it, because obviously, um, does it solve the need? Do people use it, right? It's like SaaS products, right? We're always, like, here's customer success again. Uh-oh, they're not using it as much. Let's go find out why, right? But um, how do you evaluate MarTech and, uh, and to confirm adoption and it's being utilized properly? And what, how do you uh, go about that approach? Yeah, I mean, so I think the first thing is to really understand what do you have today, right? So making sure you ha have a good uh, set of documentation about what do we currently have. We, we, we actually talked about this in one of our Opscast episodes not too long ago was how do you do a tech stack audit? And um, that was really like, like getting that documented, understanding what's working, what's not working, uh, things like when are contract renewals, right? Things like all those kinds of things. Because what, what you should be doing on a fairly regular basis, not that's not a one-time thing, right? That should be an ongoing process, some regular basis you're evaluating. Are we still using this? Do we need it? Um, because if you're not using it or you're not using it fully or it's not achieving the result you expected, right? You, you may want to cut something off and add something new in. And so that should be a, a part of it. 
so that's step number one is like, what do we have today and what are we actually using is number one. And is it meeting what we need? Then um, this goes back to my old consulting days where I help people choose um, financial applications. It's a little different context, but you know, look, there's a, there's what now seven, 8,000 MarTech vendors out there. Right. And they're all really good at selling and articulating what they do. And, you know, finding their way to the, to the right people to, to say, Hey, we need to go get that. Right. So I think, you know, one of the jobs we should have is also to put a little bit of structure around the process for evaluating those. So if you know, you, you think you need to do something, uh, whatever that technology is, you should be evaluating it on a set of sort of functions or requirements that you think are important. And they should have like a relative weight because typically with that many vendors out there, right? They tend to be point solutions or they there's overlapping between vendors. And so you need to know what is it the priority is. So weight those and then go through a process of evaluating them, right? Through demos and meetings or whatever. And then you hopefully you have a set of people that uh, kind of have different viewpoints and you literally just like everyone sort of rates across all those things and you combine them, you do some math and you combine that with you know, the financial impacts, right. Both one time and ongoing and you make an informed decision. Right. And that's, and it, which may also be like, Oh, we're not ready for it yet. Right. If it also requires a lot of change, but I think that, you know, really going through that sort of step-by-step process, and that doesn't mean it has to be slow. It can be relatively quick. Um, but you know, you don't go through that heavy lifting of doing that analysis until you get a short list anyway. Yeah, the one of the challenges I run into though is is as a buyer is that a lot of these vendors, yeah, they want to tie you into uh, relatively long term contracts, and by that I mean anything from a year longer. And if you're right. really not sure if something's going to work, right, I would love to see more of them offering, you know, a paid, even if it's paid, right, pilot that goes, you know, three six months, something like that, where you can actually, where it makes sense, where you can actually really get in build things out, understand how it fits in, if it works, and, and then make an informed decision about extending yeah. from there, right? That, and, but that would be a huge win for buyers. And I think uh, it would- You it would, it would think, and they got to really focus on you know using it. And of course, the onboarding may take a lot of time anyway in training. Then by yep. the time the training is done, the three months might be over. I don't know. Right. Well, yeah. So, so maybe it, that's so why. It, it does depend on the technology, right? The more- yeah. The more, uh, the, the bigger the scope and scale of the technology, the less likely, I think the less that makes sense, but there's a lot of them where they say it sort of just plugs in and integrates with say your marketing automation platform and just works, right? Well, that's usually not the case, but it can be done within, you know, a week or two, you can get the basic setup, you can do the trial and that way you're, you're testing it out in a real, like you actually then have to work with. Right. A demand gen team or sales team and say like, let's, we're going to pilot, we're going to take this and try it, you know, against 20 accounts, right. And see if it works. Yeah. Well, I think an example of that might be like sales enablement tools where content's housed, like digital asset management or whatever for salespeople, you know, trying to put the right content together and this and that, and you're trying to do custom presentations and you're adding this and whatever, but it is, doesn't have to be that complicated, but it is something that you have to learn and, yeah. and test and, and see, uh, you know, how this platform works versus another one. That's why everybody does all these demos at the same time, which is kind of fun to do, but right. um, um, see what the bells and whistles are. But I guess that's part of the deal is like, where's the value of a piece of tech? 
is it worth changing? How much is it worth changing? Can we get by without it? Or is this really cool feature that we can really use? Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, the, 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 this is really what I was trying to get at is, you know, the demos are set up to work and look great, right? So if all your data is clean, your salespeople are very disciplined about maintaining status updates on opportunities, your marketing team is really disciplined about how they, like then it all works great. But usually that's not the case. <laughs> right. So, so you want to see how it would work with your, your, within your environment. Right. I don't know if you can relate to this. That's a little funny. Like every time there's new technology a lot back in the day, and yeah, let's try Trello. Let's try this. Let's try that. Then the day it's that uh, email or maybe Google Sheets. That's fine. <laughs> but um, you know, but yeah, it depends. So you know, ops is interesting because I've always been in technology and growth, and, and maybe uh, I try to be creative. But I guess that's uh, you know, a great place to to start a career is if you're really analytical. I would imagine, but um. But, you know, what's the type of person who succeeds in ops? And I don't even know how you get trained in it unless it's there's no college classes for it. But um, but what are your thoughts on uh, getting started in ops career? Yeah, so we, we, we did another episode about about this in our ops cast as well, because in, in there's there's starting to be in the industry a, a little more a, a few more people who are working on building out like um certification training that's more generalized for marketing ops, right? Um, historically, it's usually been tool-based, right? You know, it's Salesforce and Marketo and Pardot and Eloqua and HubSpot. And like, they all have like their like stuff specifically for them. And then some that might be uh, like, if it's an ABM vendor, right? They may have generalized ABM uh, training and certifications, but there's nothing that really looks across all these things today. Um, I think there's some that are pretty close. Some people are doing that. So the, the short answer is there's not really anything out there for this as uh, like a training or certification that is, a, is at a higher level than specific tools that's consistent. Um, and that's one of the challenges I think for people who want to come into it. You know, So how do people get there? Some, some people get to it you know, a common one is they're at a small company and they're, you know, the, you know, one of the two or three people doing marketing. And so everybody sort of pitches in and they they end up being the ones who, you know, set up HubSpot or set up Marketo and, you know, and they end up liking and building emails and they end up liking that. Right. And it goes from there. Right. It's, there's, there's a little bit of that. There are people like me who came, came at it from, I was doing IT management consulting specifically around fine, you know, financial data warehousing, which led me to doing database marketing and building out, you know, big customer databases to go to market. Um, at that time, it was in the B two C world, and and then, yeah, you know, like the number of people I I talk to, I'm always fascinated about how they got there because sometimes it's totally random, right? Or they may have come from the sales side, right, and moved over and had to support marketing. So there's not really one consistent way. I will tell you though, there are consistent things that you know that successful people in the op space do have in terms of traits. They like to solve problems. Right. And they do, and they like to solve problems. They don't like to give up. Right. They, they and they like to understand, like understand how things work, you know, like, uh, yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're, they're very interested in exploring and investigating and figuring things out and yeah. things are a certain way. Right. Uh, the, the mind mindset. Yeah. There, there's that. They uh, like interacting and dealing with a lot of different kinds of people. Cause like I said, I mean, on any given day, you might be talking to 
you know, someone in creative part of marketing or someone who's in finance or someone in IT or someone that, like you've, like you're interacting with lots of different parts of the organization. So if you can do that and do it well and do that translation, um, you know, I think that's a really positive thing. And, um, you know, one, you know, and there's, I think that's kind of the baseline when you get past that and you get into like entry level to management and leadership levels, you know, that part about being able to work with different people in different organizations and build relationships and uh, negotiate priorities and things like that, those mm-hmm. become more important. Mm-hmm. And again, doing that across all these different domains is, is part of the challenge. Uh, for me, that's part right. of the, but I, but it actually excites me. Right? I like doing that and that's not for everybody. Right. It seems like it's, uh, I'm just going to throw this out here. I could be totally wrong, but it's like, you're, you're part like analytics, you're part um, project manager. And, and I use a word that's been around for the last few years. You're part growth hacker, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, because you're into the numbers and conversions and, and, and you're dialing in different scenarios. So it's, it's probably like something like that in mindset. But if you're a branding person, creative, probably not. But, um, but you still need to be creative and not to work the numbers. But you know what I mean? Yes, no, I always tell people, right? I'm, 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 I'm creative, just not in the way that most people think of it, right? I'm not going to be the one who's going to be writing a story from scratch, right? Or you know, building out some graphic design and logo. But if you're trying to figure out, hey, we want to do this to go to market, and we want to be able to move quickly, like how, how are the, what are the ways we can do that? Or, yeah, you know, typically the technology part too is that there's, yeah, there's two, three, four, five different ways you could solve a problem within a technology platform or a set of technologies. And right. so like th- going through that and thinking through it is, is, is the creative part, creative sol- problem solving. Yep. So speaking of all that, let's just go to, um, we mentioned the analytics before, uh, you know, for the C-level people that are listening, I mean, they like big picture, but from an ops person, what KPIs do you look at that are most important for a company to provide, you know, so you can provide some actionable insights to business growth? Sure. I, I mean, I think of it um, in a couple of different levels. And there's, uh, there's three primary and probably a fourth that's really, really, really just for the ops team, which is just monitoring the, you know, the health of your, your systems, right? Are they working as, spe- as expected? Are integrations working, things like that? Are you, you know, are you missing data on, records that's really not for anybody else you know unless there there's you identify a, a source problem for data or something like that um but i think the first level is really you know within us again i'll sort of focus on the marketing side of it tactical so there's day-to-day activities of you know sending out emails or registrations for an event or a webinar um you know ads that are out there in the in the marketplace you want to know like are they getting opened or viewed and clicked through and things like that. Right. That's right. Pretty usual. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's easy to measure, but generally speaking, nobody else cares. Right. right. <laughs> but it, you do want to know it as a marketer to know, like, you know, is it doing what we expected to, or if you're get, if you're going through a third party and you've got display ads and they've committed to a certain number of leads or whatever, right. Are they, are they meeting, can you validate that they're meeting that expectation, even if the, you know, a lot of times they'll give you numbers and you need to validate them. So I think that's one. The second I alluded to is kind of 
an overall marketing or campaign level where you're looking at the overall performance of you know, a, a group of tactics or a campaign or a set of campaigns. And, and this is where attribution modeling starts to come in, uh, in my mind, right? It's the right place for it. Because now you're looking at, you know, you want to look across uh, multiple campaigns or multiple uh, tactics across different channels or, you know, different, um, you know, web, say you're doing display ads across multiple sites, things like that, like which ones are performing better in terms of some sort of linkage to pipeline and revenue. Right. And I think that's, that's, that's where you start to get into a little bit of the ROI on program spend, if you will. Right. And yeah, so I think yeah. th that to me is, is the first one, but again, that probably stays for the most part within marketing or demand right. gen. Right. right. And, it, and it's used there. Right. We're looking then, at channels. We're looking at message. We're looking at offers. We're looking at placement, you know, and all these right. things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, in, and it's the place where you can say, oh, that channel that we thought was going to work or for that product and that channel, like then, it, but it's not, let's 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 place our bet somewhere else, right? Maybe try a new thing or, or double down on something else. That, you know, I think that's how you use that data. The, ne the next level really is at that C-suite exec board level. And this is where, you know, I'm going to tie it all the way back to discipline about going to market, right? If you're in, a, if you're in one of those businesses where you can clearly, if you can clearly as a marketer know with a, a pretty high degree of certainty that a, a net new logo you got, right, was, was sourced by marketing and you can actually kind of tr show the, tr the trail that led to it on a consistent basis. And you can, instead of talking about influenced, right, which is the typical attribution modeling terminology and you can actually talk about sourced pipeline and revenue from marketing I, I think it makes sense to talk about it there but again that's not to me that's a little different than just attribution in the general sense so if you could talk about that but i always want yeah, to have the contribution to the pipeline contribution right and it and it as much as you can say it's it's ours so this is where getting getting really clearly defined across with your peers and sales, right? Which sales source, what's, what's marketing source. And if it makes sense, like renewals and things like that is customer success sourced, right? Kind of stuff. And knowing like everyone coming to the table, knowing that when you say this, this is what it means. Um, so that you're not arguing about those percentages, right? At that level, you're looking at it, you're, you're agreeing, agreeing on that. And if the, the mix isn't right of what you expect for future growth, then you can address that from a big picture standpoint. But I will say the other thing as a marketer, again, I, like we should be telling the story as well. So again, looking at looking for um, wins or losses, right? That may have been significant or not, where you can show like what happened with that opportunity? Like this person came and visited our site. They came to a webinar. They went to an event. You know, the salesperson engaged with them and show that whole set of steps. And especially true if it can be one where it's a consistent pattern across multiple wins or multiple losses. And and then from there, talk about like based on what we're seeing, like we need we needed to address this point in the process, or we need to we need to focus on building more of content for this stage of the pipeline right 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 some of the things uh, i don't know i try to communicate at the high level c-level people is um or is the um the strategy of mid funnel and bottom funnel campaigns 
you know, everybody likes bottom funnel ready to buy, right? But that's just not a reality unless you're on Google search or something like that. So I think right. that might be another way to show numbers is here's our top mid funnel campaigns to drive pipeline and nurture, you know, get people possibly interested before they use the search engine. And then other campaigns saying these guys are already have a need. So we need to be there in front of them. Yeah. And, um, and then well, if you, and separate if you have, all that. And if you're, if your SP is an enterprise account, right, maybe there's a market, a lot of market, and you're going to ABM approach or AB, AB everything approach, right? It might be where you're talking about like in the pipeline, you know, contribution as well. Like what are we doing to support the sales efforts for these target accounts and things like that? Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Well, this is a really good discussion. I know it's a little detailed, but it's also important to understand, um, you know, marketing and sales alignment and how it all works together and the, and the, and how ops people like yourself, you know, put it all together and to um, optimize performance. And there's a definitely a, a role there for sure, because at the end of the day, you know, what's right, what's wrong, where do we fix <laughs> and uh, what needs to be fixed and how to fix it, which is why we show up. Yeah. Well, I'm a big believer. Like we need to have the data consistently that we all agree on what, what, how it's, how it's produced. And then whatever it says, then we can have an open and honest discussion about what's good or bad and what, what we think we should or shouldn't do. Right. And yeah, if we instead come to it with, you know, data that nobody trusts or conflicting data, we spend our time trying to reconcile the data as opposed to talking about what are we going to do strategically? Right. Oh, believe me. How many leads did we get through chat this month? Uh, well, let me find that out, right? Did, did chat contribute to sales? I mean, you know, those kinds of things, right? And you're getting in the weeds. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, customer engagement. But um, anyway, um, so, uh, you know, th- thanks for joining me today. And it was an insightful conversation. And for those um, who are getting into ops, we didn't talk about it too much, but I know there's communities out there. You can look them up, Rev Genius, Rev Revenue Collective, organizations, Slack channels where you can learn about the Rev Ops and what people do, right? Absolutely. There and there are ones that are so revenue Rev Genius and Revenue Collective are, I'd say, broader based than just ops. Um, there are ops ones too, like the MoPros, uh, which is a marketing ops one, and okay. they're like more as I described revenue ops, like wizard, wizards of ops and rev ops right. co-op and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, it's Michael Hartman, Hartman advisory group and, uh, need help with uh, strategic marketing and, uh, revenue ops, uh, you know, give Mike a shout and, uh, thanks. And, Paul, uh, this, thanks for having me is I enjoyed it. Sure. This is Paul Mosenson, Fixed to Convince. I'm a fractional CMO and uh, hope to hear from everybody soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the Convince. Thanks for